Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to the Mainland Podcast, uh, where we talk everything Orlando City, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City B. I am your host, Michael Citro, managing editor of the Mainland, and uh, of course, joining me for this here uh, episode number what is it, fifty-nine? I believe fifty-nine. Yes, oh. episode fifty-nine of the podcast is Andrew Harrison. Uh, Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. It's, I've had a few weeks off, so I'm, I, uh, my voice is rested and ready to go. You're fresh and, and ready to roll, and that's a good thing, because we got a lot to cover. And we're going to try to bust through this thing tonight, because uh, we've got to get to our guest, and we've got... Uh, it's a very compact week. It's uh, Orlando City has a friendly on Wednesday... Uh, which by the time this drops, that will be today, if you're listening to it as it drops. Uh, there's also the All-Star Game, the Homegrown Game, and uh, of course Sunday is a big match day, uh, playing New England Revolution at home. Uh, let's start with Orlando City B at Columbus, Andrew. Um, obviously the the fabled tale of two halves. Without a doubt. I, the first half, it looked like the team that got... Adrian Heath fired. Um, <laughs> the second half looked like a team that, you know, gave us some hope for the rest of the season. We're just hitting the All-Star game. There are mm-hmm. some games left to go, but I, we need to see more of that second half team. Whether or not it comes down to Kaká being on the field, will only time will tell. But it was nice to see the lads actually play like we know they're capable of playing. So definitely mm-hmm. tail two halves, and I think really we hit Columbus at a, ba- at a good time because they're still struggling as well. Columbus struggling, and, you know, it, it looked like one of those situations where we've seen Orlando City go into New York. We've seen him go into Sporting Kansas City when both of those teams were on bad runs and absolutely get, you know, demolished or dominated throughout the game. And it looked like another case of that because Columbus really uh, harassed Orlando City's uh, – Fullbacks. I mean, they were getting owned by by the width players for Columbus. I mean, Harrison Offal and and um, our former Lion Corey Ash were just uh, you know they were just dominating and they were raining balls in from the from the corners and then all of a sudden, wouldn't you know it, Columbus strikes first with a with a goal up the middle. Yeah, I I have to kind of echo your sentiments like. If we'd had Corey Ash last, se- we'd had that Corey Ash last season, we'd probably make the playoffs. <laughs> he was just tearing us to shreds, and you have to – you realize when you were watching that how much we need to improve in the fullback situation. Alston and Bowden just aren't capable of potentially cutting it at this level. Um, we obviously found a way to kind of counteract that in the second half, um, mm-hmm. but it was just – it was incredible. And you realize that's what Adrian Heath had been hoping for us for so long in which we hadn't been able to do. And if we can play like that, which I think we did in the second half when we brought on Rivas to be able to terrorize those people, we got the results and we got, you know, we just couldn't bring in the three points. Yeah, this has been my complaint all year long about not using Carlos Rivas. Now, I don't know what his attitude is on the pitch in practice and that kind of thing. I don't know what he is like as a person. I don't know you know, anything about what he's given to the team or not given to the team, but just know that having him out on the field keeps the other team's uh, fullback absolutely quiet, just absolutely terrified of him getting forward with that speed. So as soon as he came on, it did a number of things uh, because Kaká also came on at the same time. As soon as those two came on, Kevin Molino became instantly Kevin Molino again because on the left side, uh, next to uh, 
Julia Baptista, he wasn't he wasn't himself. Yeah. He didn't wasn't having a good game. In fact, there were times in the first half when I was actually kind of angry about his his effort. I didn't think his effort was really there. Uh, in the second half, when he got back on his side and Kaká was out there and Rivas was out there, then all of a sudden you saw a very dynamic offense, uh, similar to the way that they played offense uh, against Vancouver. Only, you know, against Vancouver they had the same starters as they had against Columbus. Yeah, and I think that's, I think that was what was important. Is this for the first time I felt like we were playing everybody where they kind of belonged. But what we didn't get last season was we didn't have Kevin Molino. This season we've got Kevin Molino and we're getting – obviously we didn't get the result that we wanted, but we at least showed some fight. And I think that's so important going into a new head coach and really coming into crunch time, especially with New England on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens on Sunday considering the fact that uh, Breck Shea should be back, but this is going to be Jason Kreis's first MLS game with Orlando City. And – it, it remains to be seen where you know what he thinks of of Breck Shea as a fullback, what he thinks of him as a player, what he thinks of his current fullback and midfield situation, um, which players he favors. Maybe they won't be the same players that uh, that Adrian Heath favors. So there are very good chances that you know some fan favorites may fall by the wayside and, and making way for other players that haven't been getting much playing time. Uh, to date, but we we won't really know until even Sunday. We re- really won't know for sure. It'll take a few games before we really see what what Jason Kreiss is, is uh, has as a plan going forward. Uh, let me get your man of the match. Um, I'm gonna go with Joe Bendick. I feel like if he didn't have once again a game saving performance, we don't come out without without anything. Um, but I am going to give an honorable mention to Kyle Lahren. He had he came so close so many mm-hmm. times, and he did cause some problems for the Columbus back line, and he really was dynamic when he was getting the service. Um, so I'm going with Joe Bendick, but my heart kind of leans a little bit towards Kyle Lahren. <laughs> well, I'm on a little bit of the same wavelength as you. I thought that Kyle... Uh... I thought, I mean, the easy answer is, is probably Bendik or even Kevin Molino with the goal and an assist. Um, some people have said Kaká because he came in and changed the game. Um, although I think Rivas had as much to do with that as, as Kaká did because he really uh, kept Harrison Apple uh, back on his heels. Uh, but I will go with Kyle Lahren because not only the reasons that you said, but I think a very dynamic game from him all around. He did some, he did have some, you know, some nice clearances on defense. Um, you know, he came back and he played hard on set pieces and he helped the team, uh, you know, try to get over their set piece woes with, with some, some timely headers and some clearances. And also I thought that he did a much better job. Uh, like we've, we keep seeing the development of Kyle Lahren as a holdup player. And I think that he did some things, uh, the other night that he hasn't been doing yet and that he's added to the, his game. And I think they really are going to make him an even better player rather than getting the ball on a long clearance. And just standing with his back to the defender until he gets knocked off the ball, he did a really good job of taking the ball and decisively going one lateral direction or the other, and and really buying time for his team to come up and and uh, join the play. And I thought that that was a really nice development from from him. And he's my uh, he's my man of the match. Yeah, I think you know I think what we started to see was we still have to remember he's so young. He's been yeah. such a linchpin for us. And he's just been scoring goals, and he had such a fantastic record-breaking rookie season. So all of a sudden, to see him change his game and know that, you know, he's a little bit older, he's got that little bit more um, 
strength to him. I mean, he was already powerful anyway, but as he's yeah. getting older, he's learning how to adjust his body and, and be able to shake people off and get that forward momentum going before somebody tries to break him up. I've, yeah. I thought it was a really good growth game for Kyle Aaron. And once he starts getting that service that we know a lone striker needs, if we stick with that formation under Christ, um, I'm excited to see what he can do next. So things, uh, as, as much as they change, they stay the same. Bobby Murphy comes in, uh, has a loss to New York and three draws to his, his name as, as head coach, interim head coach of Orlando City. Drew with Houston, Drew with Vancouver, and Drew with Columbus. And um, probably I think you'd say the Columbus and Vancouver draws were pretty good considering the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you've got to give him hats off, but I think that's also, you know, the players getting over Heath being fired. Um, mm-hmm. and growing and realizing that life goes on. You have to keep playing for your spot. And I think it was kind of interesting the way that Bobby Murphy let, didn't necessarily stand on um, precedent. He changed it up. He tried to make it work. He had some, obviously, um, issues with Brexhay being suspended and Rivas being unable to travel, but he made the mm-hmm. best of a bad job. And I think really three points was was pretty good out of the unfortunately he was out of 12 but <laughs> yeah. you, you, you can't beggars can't be choosers unfortunately with this orlando city side this year that's right and um you know you were just talking about kyle Lahren. of course kyle and kaka off to the all-star game uh along with uh, tyler turner who's going out there for the homegrown game homegrown game is uh wednesday night which will be going on at the same time as orlando city's friendly uh, so obviously Kyle and Kaká will not be in the friendly. Don't expect Breck Shea to play. He did train today, uh, but not sure that they're going to risk him in a friendly. Uh, Jason Christ said today that he is about 50-50 for this weekend. So uh, he he also said this before uh, before Breck came out. He said Breck's in there working out in the gym, and if uh, if he feels that he's he's ready to progress to the field, he'll come out to the field, and then we'll work from there. And and Breck came out to the field, so Breck's already training. Uh, Tommy Redding was running off to the side today, so he's he's on track. We, you know, the club put out two weeks. I heard two to four weeks. It's more tracking toward the four week range, I think, for for Tommy's injury. Uh, Rafael Ramos was nowhere to be seen, uh, so he's going to be out a few more weeks probably. Um, Harrison Heath actually was out there, but he, I don't know how limited he was. He's certainly not ready to come back yet, but uh, from that knee. But at least it's nice to see it's not as bad as last year's. Um, who else? Uh, Antonio Notorino was out there. We heard he picked up a minor knock and didn't make the trip to Columbus, and he was out there uh, along with all the guys. So uh, hopefully he's healthy and ready to go because he's a guy who could really benefit, Andrew, from this coaching change. Oh, without a doubt. I, I don't think he's going to benefit. He's not going to get a second chance with the fans, I don't think. Um, but a new coaching change, maybe he's a new formation, which is potentially likely under Christ. Maybe he's not with the pieces that he currently has. Um, mm-hmm. But in the offseason, there may certainly be some changes that allow him to switch to his preferred diamond formation. But I think this is a good chance for him. He's a high-paid player. Um, come in, show the new guy what you can do, and that you can be a part of this team. And I think him, along with potentially Rivas, who had struggled to can take back his left-sided position, um, can really potentially flourish under Christ. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been sort of defending Antonio Nocherino uh, quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I always say that, you know, you can't judge a European player that comes into a new league like MLS 
you know, right away. You can't judge him in the first 10 games. You can't probably even judge him in the first 20. Let's see what he's like down the road and, and gets a full preseason under his belt. But I think that he could benefit. He is a guy who plays well in that that left side of a diamond formation, a diamond midfield. So, you know, his his uh, being here might work out absolutely perfectly for both him and Jason Christ uh, at this point. But um, he has played better of late, I think, and, and he's showed some signs. I mean, when you go... From August to this year, August of last year to this year, without playing a single game, it does take some time, and, and you're not just you're not just learning a new league and your, your new teammates and your new culture. You're also getting back into game fitness, which is is not the same thing as going out and running and lifting weights. It's not the same kind of fitness. No, there's a difference between match fitness and being ready to play, and I yeah. think he he's kind of struggled. I think that's the risk that the club takes took trying to sign somebody that hadn't played in six months. Mm-hmm. And I think what a lot of people are starting to get a shock of is this league is getting competitive. It parity breeds a lot of competitiveness and no game is easy. There's a mm-hmm. reason that there's, you know, we can have only had four wins on the season, but be right behind the, under the red line is because of that parity. And I think those players come over here, they expect potentially that it's not going to be that difficult. But then also they're switching from playing grass to turf for Orlando City. The mm-hmm. travel is a lot more than anybody, I think, ever really dreams about. <laughs> yeah. Even the Champions League players don't necessarily have to travel that much week in, week out. Um, and I think he's starting to grow. I think he's had his best time in past recent games, but I'm... I'm still not seeing a true turnaround that I'd love to see from right now since it's been five months with these being with the side. Yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see when he, he, if he starts to get some, some playing time, some consistent playing time, we'll see how that affects his game. And, you know, you mentioned a lot, all those things you mentioned are, are true and you add into that different elevations, different uh, climates. I mean, this, this country is so huge. You basically can fit most of Europe into it. So, you know, yeah. you, you have to take into into account that one week you can play be playing in dry air out in you know maybe uh, Southern California or, or somewhere like that, and then the next you're you're playing in the the uh, you know, the, the climate up in the Pacific Northwest, where there's a lot of rain, heavy air, and then you know you come here and you got the heat and humidity. Then you might go up north and, and get a little cold at night and have to wear jackets and that kind of thing. It, it's it's different. It's and it's a very big adjustment for some people. It takes a special kind of person to come into this league and immediately flourish. Um, there is just not that many Drogba's and Giovinco's and and guys like that. Ola Kamara is another example. But there are not that many people that can come into the league and just dominate right away. And and we'll see what happens with Antonio Nocerino. I'm rooting for him as a fellow Italian there personally. <laughs> um, Big friendly uh, Wednesday, Stoke City. Jason Christ said he's going to play a lot of players, going to use it as a training session and a, a chance to evaluate the pieces that he has moving forward and getting ready for uh, New England. Um, are you going to that, Andrew? Uh, I am not. No, I already had a pre-existing uh, plans. Okay. But the game is going to be streamed, so that's good news. And the people have... Uh, if had mixed reactions to that on Twitter, saying you know the you know they you know, sh- no they don't they don't do the meaningful use USOC game, but they're gonna you know stream this and uh, my response to that is you know, maybe they listen to their paying customers uh, I, I, or or perhaps maybe uh, you know the fact is this is a this is a different situation. It is a it's a weeknight game 
out of the city with a you know a, a much much smaller venue. I mean, you can't fit all of the season ticket holders over there. Yeah, I to be honest with you, I'm going to go even simpler than that. This is about a marketing opportunity. This is yeah, about is getting true. the name of Orlando City out there. The last time we played, you know, we played West Brom and we had some injuries that was at the Citrus Bowl. So they've listened to their fans and said, you know what? We're not going to put people through the turf. We're going to go out there. And then we've limited the crowd capacity. So we're going to share that information. We're going to distribute that game. But really, this is about if you're filming the game for an international broadcast, which you got to for a team like Stoke, um, this is about marketing and branding and getting the people out there. And it's nice that we have a new coach who can use this as a training session, but let's not kid ourselves. This front office is doing everything to grow this team internationally. And that's what this game does. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's also, it's, my understanding is that this this kind of event was part of, part and parcel of the deal with uh, with East Florida State College when they when they entered in the agreement to to have OCB out there. So this is the kind of event that they are using to pay back EFSC. So um, you know it's this is the partner team over in the EPL is Stoke City. This is this is a big help in a lot of ways, and it's it, it's good for the players to get out and test themselves against these kind of of athletes and. And you know we don't know if we'll see the best of Stoke City, just like we probably won't necessarily see the best of Orlando City. But uh, uh, it's still a fascinating matchup. Orlando City, by the way, one and zero against EPL teams as an MLS side, and two and two overall. So they've done pretty well. That's pretty good if you think about it. And that was you know two of them were the first year, and mm-hmm. so the fact that we're going in with that record is pretty good. Um, yeah, we'll see. As a as a Jordy, you probably had mixed uh, reactions to that Newcastle win, the win over Newcastle. Yeah, I will say this though: Orlando City thoroughly deserved that result, and my mm-hmm. feelings on Newcastle over the past decade. Um, <laughs> as much as I still love them, they are my original team. The way that the club has been run until this final this off season um, has been shambolic. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the acquiring of um, Benitez and the people that we've gone out and signed, I think, make me really hopeful. Um, we've not lost in preseason for the first time in like 22 years. Um, <laughs> so I'm excited. <laughs> Good. Good for you. Good for you. And I, and I wish Newcastle uh, all the luck in the world. I'm, my, my mother was born in the outskirts of Newcastle, so they've always had a soft spot in my heart. Um, Orlando, uh, Andrew, I, I have to say the Orlando Pride got killed this weekend. Yeah, they got they got demolished. But I think we've been kind of waiting for that, or at least I feel like I have. And I think we knew that it was going to come up during yeah. the Olympic roster period. Um, it's a shame that we had to travel, you know, 3,500 miles to get absolutely shellacked. But mm. this is a team that will grow. This is a team that is still growing. It has a lot of new faces. Um, a very patchwork backline. Um, yeah, and I think you know what we at least scored two. We at least scored two goals. We haven't really done that on the road this season. Um, we gave a good accounting for I think what our skill level was with that roster, um, and we just came up against a really solid Seattle side that has good quality of depth that we're missing. But once again, we're an expansion franchise, and that develops over time. Yeah, Seattle had uh, came out with a lot of high pressure, which was a. a... A, a new tactic against this this lineup, which worked very very well, and I, I think not only is Seattle a very talented team, but but playing those tactics 
against the athletes that that Tom Sermani has sort of patched together as his back line. He doesn't have his his top defensive midfielders because they're playing, you know, defense. Yeah. <laughs> they're playing on the defensive line. So, um, you know, he wasn't able to get the guy the 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 players in the spots that he wanted them, and he's kind of left to sort of make it up as he goes. And the team has done a pretty good job defensively overall. And even in this game, most of the problems came from outside the box uh, and, you know, playing balls in over the top and then, you know, just not getting to them first and that kind of thing. And and it was uh, unfortunate, but uh, a 5-2 win for Seattle Reign over the Orlando Pride. But I have to say, Andrew, that at no point, did that team stop fighting hard? And that really impressed me. I, I watched that game, stayed up, watched that game, did the recap. And what really stuck out to me is that no matter what the scoreline was, you saw players playing their hearts out. You didn't see anybody quit and give up and start walking and that kind of thing. That really impressed me. Yeah, and I think I, I'm going to make a bit of a point. I think, I think that's the difference between men and women's soccer. I feel like you watch women's soccer and – this is not my first experience watching it just with the pride. I've watched it last season and a couple of seasons before that. Like they always keep trying. They are always mm-hmm. trying to give a good accounting for themselves because they know they have talent and you know, any given Sunday you can, you can get shellacked like they did, but you still mm-hmm. want to give a good accounting. You still want to show that you are one of the best players because if you don't, this is a league that is, you know, needs more talent there is great talent and unfortunately sometimes you've got to take that opportunity so we have got a patchwork team and now is their time if they want to prove that they belong in this league and can help grow this league for the future so i'm excited that they were able to do that i hope that people start seeing that in the games and they start turning out and getting behind the teams all around the league yeah, and, and another goal for uh, Jasmine Spencer, another goal for Kristen Edmonds as those two continue their breakout seasons and, and really, um, you know, huge pickups for Orlando Pride and for Tom Sermani. So um, it, it was good to see them continuing to score. It will give them confidence uh, that when uh, when the, the, the regular, you know, the internationals come back, you know, that they can continue to tribute contribute to the offense and it won't have to be just the Alex Morgan show and they have the confidence to finish. So when Alex Morgan is, is pulling those defenders away, you know, Edmonds and Spencer can get in there and score goals, which is, is really nice to see. Yeah. Well, and just as a side as well, you've also got, if they are capable of scoring goals, Alex Morgan isn't going to get marked out of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for Alex's game because I feel too often this season, she's being kind of stranded up top. Um, the first Chicago Red Stars game, it was very much like that. Um, mm-hmm. If they can be that <clears throat> triple threat almost to kind of make sure that not everybody's getting Marking Morgan out of the game, I'm mm-hmm. really excited for the end of the season. I would just hope that we're already starting to see a gulf between those top four spots and everybody else. Um, so the return of Morgan Harris and the entire Pride backline may come just a little <laughs> too late. Yeah, we'll see. These next couple of games are going to be crucial to see whether the Pride can stay in the race or if they'll fall completely out and become the, the expansion team that, that people see. It, it certainly isn't enough depth, and we, we knew that going into the season that depth was going to be an issue, and we knew this was the time that it was going to show. Uh, but so far, uh, through a couple of games, they, they you know, aside from the, the weather delay, I, I felt like they could get back in that last Chicago game, and the weather delay sort of took the legs out of the fresh 
players that came on in the second half, that the team was actually getting forward and having the better of the play until that lightning strike uh, halted the game for about an hour. Uh, the game before that against Boston, they they started slowly but came on late and got the win. So this lineup is capable of competing you know, with the other teams in the NWSL. Uh, Seattle, certainly on the road, is, is a very, very difficult ask for that lineup. Uh, but I feel like there's some games coming up that they should be able to, to you know, uh, to hang in there and p- potentially get results. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, last thing we want to get to, Andrew, before we uh, bring in our guest, is Orlando City B. They're on a they're on an unbeaten streak, but they can't seem to get three points. They had uh, a pair of nil-nil draws going into the weekend, uh, facing Wilmington Hammerheads. Uh, they had a, a 1-1 tie and uh, went a man up as... Um, Perone from uh, from Wilmington lost his head and picked up the ball and just threw it in the face uh, of Orlando City player. Uh, I think it was Tony Rocha, I think is what who he threw that at. But uh, he got sent off. Orlando City poured it on but couldn't find a goal until late. And then it looked like they had the 2-1 win in the bag. And all of a sudden, they could not clear their lines. And wouldn't you know it, in the second minute of two minutes of over t- of extra time, <laughs> stoppage time, I should say, uh, the, the the tying goal. So they've taken a page out of Orlando City's book, and uh, you know, give, given up the stoppage time goal for the heartbreaking draw. But Orlando City B still, uh, considering the fact that their coach has been in and out of town, um, you know, that's that's not a bad result. They're they're staying in the playoff hunt, and uh, the key will be to go on the road and get results because most of their remaining games are are away games. Yeah, and I think you really kind of hit the nail on the head. I think. They, they may be unbeaten, but they haven't been able to scratch out that win. And I think you've got to put some of it down to the fact that they broke that rhythm with Pulis having to step away for a little while. And they changed the coaching staff. And I think, if I remember rightly, Kano Smith came over from the Pride to help out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's a change in philosophy that may not necessarily trickle all the way down, but it's at least going to disrupt the method that they had. And I think... They had a slow start to the season. They kind of hit their stride, and then they they lost a little bit. And I think really this this string is great that it is that they're unbeaten. Just shows you how difficult it is to be the MLS owned USL team because the resources are always going to try to feed the parent club than they are mm-hmm. the, the the child club. But still solid win. I think they've still got a great chance. They're currently in the playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think they should be happy with their performance. Um, Lewis Neal didn't get sent off, so that's always a growth moment. Um, <laughs> and yeah, every game that Neal finishes is probably a step in the right direction. And the fact is that they have a very, very difficult challenge ahead traveling to Louisville City this weekend. So this is a, if they can get anything, a point out of this game would be huge. Uh, it would be it would be a chance to, to just kind of tread water until the uh, the schedule gets a little bit more favorable. But Louisville City on the road, a tough ask. It's another baseball stadium, and, and clearly they have a big uh, home, not only a home field advantage, but they are the best team in, in the USL this year so far. Yeah, and I think when we talk about it with Orlando City, you know, we have, we have to stay in touch with that line. Okay, Orlando City is just below it, 
uh, OCB is just above it. I think if we can get some points and not not drop anything, or at least not hit, scratch up another loss, we've got to consider that a win, I think. Just to stay in that line, we're not going to be getting for the championship, but that was never this team's goal. The team's goal was the playoffs, see how far they can get when a push comes to shove and they can start moving the roster around. Yeah, and if you talk to anybody in the organization, they, they want to win, they want to make the playoffs, but to a man, they say... The important thing is to develop players for the future, and they are doing that um, right now. A little bit difficult. They've had some players out of the lineup. Obviously, uh, Pierre de Silva is off with the U19 team uh, in a tournament, uh, so he's representing his country. Uh, you've had Connor Donovan backing up with the MLS team, so he's not been in the lineup. And uh, Harrison Heath, of course, who was a mainstay in their their lineup, came up to to the MLS squad and then got hurt. So they've they've had some players out as well, and and that's tested their depth. Uh, but they've they've managed, like I said, unbeaten streak. Some of them have been wins. The last three have been draws. And uh, we're, we're hopeful that the Young Lions can go to Louisville City and, and beat the other purple team in USL. <laughs> they stole it. That's right. Uh, Orlando City has another MLS game coming up. And it's going to be this Sunday at the big campground uh, against New England Revolution. We've got a, a, a guest standing by who wants to talk a little bit about that and give us a little bit of the inside scoop on the revs who, who did not have kai kamara the last time we played them and um you know as as formidable as that offensive attack already was they add kai kamara so let's bring in our guest and uh talk about orlando city versus new england right after this Joining us for this week's Mainland Podcast, special guest coming to us from our uh, friends over at the Bent Musket, uh, editor and columnist Jake Catanese. How are you, Jake? Boo. I'm sorry. Are, yeah. are we done? Are we done with the crease puns yet? Did that did that end? No, he's our Christ oh figure. God. Oh my God! All right. Okay. <laughs> He's not. That's not gonna end. Okay. All right. I'm just. I, I. I appreciated all the all the times you guys tagged me on that. There. Yes. There. In case you're wondering, there were some bad ones there. I'm absolutely going to tag you on Twitter for every pun that we ever do oh, for, for not for just Jason Christ, but any pun in general. Okay. That's a whole Twitter it. feed. Yeah, well, that's what I assumed. It's. I forget. Someone started this with me many years ago. I forget what it was, but I remember it being a Dallas burn reference and a buddy of mine and I booed it because I knew it was a bad pun. And then he countered it with another pun. And since then it's been all downhill from there. Then I realized that I hang out in a slack room with headlines and we're <laughs> all terrible, terrible people with the same sense of humor. So uh, yeah. it gets, yeah, some of these get, get pretty bad for me. I have to, um, I have to go and like leave the slack room for a long period of time. Uh, occasionally, and I, I somehow right. think I blame most of you guys for this now. <laughs> That's okay. We'll take the blame. We love puns, and we make no apologies for it. Nor should So, um, you know, Jake, I want to talk to you a little bit about this Sunday game. We got the, a little bit of a matchup here. Orlando City, New England Revolution. Is somebody going to win one of these, or is it just going to be 2-2 draws until the end of time? I, I think we should just refer to this as the eternal 2-2 draw derby rivalry. I don't know how to how to say this. Um, yeah, I don't, and it's not like it's like they're good two two games. Like there's a lot of drama, there's a lot of excitement, and mm -hmm. and, and, and it's, there's there's also the same the same amount of just disappointment because both teams have a tendency to 
get a lead, usually New England, and then someone scores late, usually Orlando. So you're thinking to yourself, well, you've tied, you scored a couple of goals, but it's not like anyone's like outplaying someone for a long stretch. Like they're deserved draws. It's just the way that New England gets some of these are just flat out strange. <laughs> well, there certainly was a strange one earlier this season. And I think MLS even wants it to be a 2-2 draw because I think that's why they called a handball on Servando Carrasco. Oh, my God. I forgot about that <laughs> one. Yeah, that mm, – and, and then the other problem was is that the, the goal before then – what was that, five minutes beforehand? That goal was even screwed up too. Yeah. It shouldn't have been a 2-2 draw. You're right. It's, it's completely rigged. It's, it's, it's rigged. The, the, MLS, uh, the MLS powers that be, uh, Big Daddy Don Garber – uh, those guys, they just, they've just decided this is going to be a rivalry game. So we have to make these games all be ties yeah. for a while. And, and then after a while, they'll just start to hate each other and it'll become this really fierce rivalry. I, for that to happen, most of new England's rivalries end up, they have to be playoff related. It's like, this is why we hate Chicago from the early nineties. This is why we've hated LA from MLS cup from Houston, MLS cup. Uh, even the Columbus crew recently, that's more of a, uh, the shaving cream derby, as it as the joke goes, which mm-hmm. is it more you know, sort of somehow we just play a lot of physical games. We met in the playoffs, a lot of scoring, a lot of fouls, a lot of cards. Um, so we're gonna have to see a few New England Orlando playoff series, uh, and then New England will really start to hate you. Um, either way, you just need to play in a couple series like back to back years, and then we keep having these weird two two draws. Trust me, the hate is there, but right now. I don't know. What are we? Six and seventh in the table. That's not exactly impressive, is it? No. No. But but that brings up an interesting point. Obviously, you guys are three points ahead of us right now. You could really class this game as a true six-pointer because if Orlando City loses, you guys are another three points further up the table. Um, how are you guys approaching this game? Because we it is so close in the Eastern Conference right now. Well, this will probably be – there's too much going on right now, the homegrown game, uh, this podcast, the MLS All-Star game. So there's too much that we need to write in the next few days. But at some point, maybe even over the weekend, the Revolution have a, a major road trip right now. They're playing Orlando City uh, this weekend and the weekend after they're going to Toronto. And that's basically you know the team above us in the standings and the team below us in the standings. Toronto's fifth, Orlando City is seventh. And you bring up a great point. Uh, Orlando, I think, does have a game in hand because I'm convinced at this point everyone in the East has a game in hand in New England because they've <laughs> always had a game in hand because we only had a bye week like a, a week before um, the Copa America break, which was dumb. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, if New England can get to that six-point cushion, now the buffer between the red line and what's below the red line is there. And right now you're starting to see a little bit of separation because New England is in form. And you're starting to see, okay, we don't know how good D.C. is. We don't know how good Columbus is. We don't know how good Orlando is. But right now, all three of them are playing bad. And New England, of the mediocrity that is the Eastern Conference, New England's on a little bit of a run. So there's a little bit of separation there. Were it not for the games in hand, I would say I'm fairly confident New England's going to stay in the playoff run. But right now, I can't do that. I really need to wait about another month for the next Revs bye week, whenever that is, and see, okay, let's check back, you know, beginning of September and really see, you know, points per game, points, games played, all those things, where we are in the standings. Because I think New England, like a lot of teams in the East, I think they're underachieving. So it's strange to say, like, we're in sixth. I'm okay with that. 
but I, I feel like most of these teams, we think we should all be a little bit better than where we are right now. Well, the thing about the Revolution is that they have uh, some battle-tested players, some veteran players. They know what it takes down the stretch, which is, is all important. Uh, one thing that you have this year, or you know, this for this matchup, that wasn't there before is a guy named Kai Kamara. And I wanted to find out, you know, from you, you know, we see it from afar, you know, he, he's playing, he scores here or there, whatever, but we don't really see how is he integrating into the team? How is, how is the team philosophy uh, suiting him and that kind of thing? And maybe you could give us a little bit of a background about how Kai Kamara has fit into this New England Revolution side. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this in, in two different ways. Um, the first is that right now Kai Kamara is, in theory, the only 100% healthy Revolution striker, which is a separate problem that we'll get to. Um, Charlie Davies has been out with a hamstring problem for a little over a month. Juan Aguidelo and Femi Hollinger Jansen have both been dealing with their own little things on and off. Uh, and Teal Bunbury, who can play striker and has done this year as the Revs have been dealing with all these injuries, is much better suited uh, as Hollinger Jansen is, Femi, uh, more sore on that little target winger role. Um, and it's something where now you have a true uh, target striker in the center of the pitch. So now that you have Kai Kamara as a true target forward for New England, he does two things really well. He's going to help you maintain more possession. So when New England just sort of lumps the ball forward... Now you don't ask, have to ask Juan Aguidelo or someone else to try and win a header. Kai Kamara is just going to kind of do that on his own. So now you get the ball back to Lee Wynn, Scott Caldwell, the rest of the midfield, and you start driving forward. New England on the counterattack at least a couple of years ago, this was something that we always loved to see. Now you don't really see it as much now, but it's still something that's there, and you have to respect it if you're an opposing defense. Now you also have Kai Kamara, the actual in-the-box target forward, which means... Chris Tierney's left foot is going to find him, and it's going to open up space for everyone else. Uh, Lee Wynn's going to be able to make more runs. Teal Bunbury's coming off the back shoulder. Uh, Lee Wynn and Diego Fagundes and Scotty Caldwell and Kellen Rowe are all looking to take shots from outside the box. They're going to have room now to do that. Um, so there's a lot of little things that Kai Kamara does in New England's system, but the system hasn't really changed. It's still the same, you know, 4-2-3-1, the philosophy, you know, passing the ball around in the attacking third. Revolution still lead the MLS, lead MLS in that category and have for the last couple of years. Um, nothing has changed now that Kai Kamara is there. It just makes some of the little things better. Um, the goals um, are still not coming as often as we would like. Um especially not just from Kai, not just from Lee, but just in general. Goals for New England are a problem. Um, we put a lot of shots on target against very good goalkeepers, Sean Johnson, Nick Romando, Andre Blake, and somehow goals just don't happen. Uh, we have to work. Well, you should get two on, on Sunday. I would certainly hope so, but that's also, you know, it's it's also something where now we have to not give up to on the other end. And it's sort of been a give and take. When the offense is playing really well, sometimes it doesn't score, you get a draw. When the offense is playing really well, the defense lets you down, and you get a different kind of draw with 2-2 or 3-3 kind of a game. So New England's still looking for the balance. The last three games, they've had balance. Um, they've played really well defensively against RSL. They got a 0-0 draw on the road. Happy with that. And they've got two wins against Columbus and Chicago, both teams that are below them in the standings. And you would expect them to win those games, particularly at home. Now you're in Orlando. You're going to Toronto. You don't necessarily want to win both. You can't necessarily ask to win both these games. But if you're New England, you certainly want to win at least one of them. Preferably, I would think, against 
Orlando because that's the team you don't necessarily expect to see in the postseason. You expect Toronto to be there. You expect them with all the home games they're going to have to jump up into the standings and make a run. Orlando, you'd like to keep them behind you where they already are and keep them below the red line and make them less of a threat moving forward. But if New England can get, you know, four points out of this uh, two-game series, they're going to be setting themselves up uh, very nicely for the uh, second half of the season. Well, and uh, you talk about the second half of the season, and you also kind of mentioned it's a busy time right now. We've got the All-Star game on Thursday. Yep. Uh, Andrew Farrell was named for you guys. We've got Kakar and Kyle Lahren. Give me your thoughts on the All-Star game in general. Um, many years ago, when I was writing a junk blog for uh, just a community user blog for CBS Sportsline, uh, a platform they've now unfortunately gotten rid of, which makes me sad because I had a lot of fun stuff there. Um, I actually wrote that I thought the MLS All-Star game as a concept playing another international team was the best All-Star game in North America. It's better than whatever that silly basketball thing is. It's better than the hockey game. <laughs> it's better than the NFL Pro Bowl, which all these things, the sport, the actual game doesn't actually happen. Literally everything is better than the NFL Pro this Bowl. This is true. But like I said, like an actual game of soccer gets played. Maybe there's less slide tackling. Maybe there's a little more, um, you know, fun, let's try some back heel kind of stuff. But it's still a game of soccer. And you can't necessarily say that about some of these other things. Really what it is is just an, an over-glorified exhibition where no defense gets played. Here I actually think you've got a lot of guys, particularly someone like Andrew Farrell, uh, who can say, like, this is an opportunity for me. People are going to be watching this game. Regardless of what you think of the actualness, the exhibition, it's technically a preseason friendly for Arsenal. People around the world are going to watch this game. They're going to be watching some of these players, in particular some of the younger players in MLS. You look at an Andrew Farrell, you look at a, a Keegan Rosenberry for Philadelphia, you look at an Andre Blake for Philadelphia. Uh, how much money is Philadelphia going to make from him in a couple of years if they want to sell him, or I think really when they sell him? Um and this is an opportunity for a lot of the younger guys. And for some of the older guys, not necessarily Kaka. I actually like Kaka. But other guys, which like, I'm like, well, it's nice to see you here. This is why the MLS brought you here, to be the big stars, to get the eyeballs. Um, and it's nice to go out and see them as a unit. Maybe you'll see a Pirlo, Lampard, Kaka midfield configuration. I use that phrase loosely. Um, and, and maybe it'll be effective. Maybe it won't be. I don't really think it matters because it is... Um, a friendly, and if MLS actually does trot out a three-man back line, Arsenal is going to run them into the ground, which is fine. It happens every year. Um, but no, as a concept, I love the All-Star game. I love, in particular, trolling the All-Star game when there are no Revolution players present, which up until this year always happened. Um, and, and me and another friend of mine, Chris Brown, um, Christopher Brown on Twitter, we will always go and make uh, catchy hashtags. Uh, to denounce the MLS All-Star game. So for me, this is always sort of a fun week. Um, I know the Revolution, we actually have our first homegrown guy in the, in the, in the game, Zachary Haribo. So there's, there's actually, for the first time in many years, there's a reason for us to watch. And I'm actually kind of, kind of really happy that it is someone like Andrew Farrell, who's a little bit, I think, more underrated as a former number one overall pick, if you can be underrated, uh, getting the nod, rather than like a Lee Wynn or even a Fagundes or a Kai Kamara, where it's like, we know what those guys can do. It's time to let maybe one of the younger guys come and uh, make a statement for himself. Uh, which I think is going to be something that we're all going to enjoy watching on Thursday. Yeah, I'm with with you, actually. I really like the MLS All-Star Game for a few reasons. Number one, it's a it's a great opportunity for the for the league to market itself overseas. Uh, you're going to have 
you're going to have a lot of eyeballs around the world that are Arsenal fans tuning in for that match. The, the you know, the, the league has done quite well. The All-Star team has done well against some of these teams, obviously beating beating Tottenham last year. And it's it's just a great way to, to, to you know, you're going to have t- televisions all over the world tuning in to see guys like Kaká and guys like Lampard and, and David Villa and guys like that. So it, it really is a, a great tool to, to showcase the league. And I think that it gets a lot of stick from a lot of people. I, I, I was just telling people on Slack earlier today that I think I've read at least six or seven. Should we abolish ML, you know, MLS All-Star Game columns, you know, in the last couple of weeks? So, uh, and of course, we're running one of those tomorrow. So, um. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, it's it's one thing to say, like, you know, if you want to tweet the All-Star Game, I think the big one is why are we still playing Arsenal? Why don't we have an East-West format? Isn't isn't the league big enough to have that? I would say, yeah, that's fine. But as long as it's still a game, if the game ever dissolves into just essentially an over-glorified passing drill, well, I'm not going to watch. So I want to see, like I said, I want to see a game. If you're going to have it just an MLS East versus West game, that's fine. I'm okay with that. But it needs to be a game. It can't be just a over-glorified practice with a referee in the middle. I want to see something that resembles a, a real game. I want to see intensity. I want to see fun things happen. I want to see goals. I don't want to see guys dribbling through six people because no one wants to make a slide tackle and passing the ball into the net because, well, everyone's lazy. Uh, looking <laughs> at you, NBA, and your defense, yes. Um, yeah, what defense? Yeah, that's, um, we haven't seen that since, oh, God, uh, 40 years ago maybe, 50 years ago in the NBA? <laughs> I can't remember. Jake, before we let you go, obviously we got to get your key matchup of the game for Sunday and your predicted score line. Hmm. Well, let's, first we need to we need to figure out uh, who is missing for you guys in this game. Uh, it, right now, as it stands, it looks like the team's pretty healthy. It looks like everybody, hmm. all the all the key participants will be there. Breck Shea is about a 50-50, but everybody else is is uh, pretty much good to go. Hmm, is that defender Breck Shea or is that midfielder Breck Shea? Yes, Ooh. yes, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. See, is we, that, is we that don't bad, actually. Is that a bad? So question? we don't actually know because Jason Christ has yet to to manage oh, this team. I, I almost completely forgot. Field. How is is any are you guys predicting any any Jason Christ shenanigans here to start this game, or is it going to be a? Uh, no, let's pretty much trot out the you know the mostly the same formation as it were. I expect, based on what Jason has told us at training, that he will not make huge, huge changes right off the bat, that he will tweak things uh, gradually toward what he wants and and, and go from there. So I, I'm anticipating probably a 4-2-3-1 as we've usually played. Um, not sure if, if, if Breck can go. I'm not sure where he'll play him. I don't know if he sees Breck Shea as, as, a, as, as a defender or a fullback or whatever. Right. No, I, yeah. no, I understand that. But that's been a long-going problem. No one actually knows the answer, I don't think. Um, no, so again, yeah, to me, this is the same thing. I think we mentioned this last time. Um, to me, then, this is this is the, the prototypical mirror match, and I hate these. They drive me nuts. Uh, everyone's going to play a 4-2-3-1, and now you're really looking at, well, what's the biggest difference in the 4-2-3-1? It's the creators. So let's go and be very, very stagnant and say, let's look at the Kaká versus Lee Wynn matchup. Which guy is going to create for those around him? Um, if you're New England, that means you want to limit the and for that matter, Orlando, limit the space these two guys have, play the ball out wide. Maybe you're sending in more crosses, things like that. Um, you've got to keep Kyle Laren and Kai Kamara away from open play in the box like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, I think there's a reason why these two teams constantly play out to, to you know these two two draws. It's 
Um, they both know how to break each other down. Um, but we haven't yet figured out how to completely stop the other team. So um, I, I don't really want to see a draw to, on a Sunday. I really need the Revs to win this game, take a little pressure off of that Toronto game because I don't want to have to you know, go to Toronto and say we need a result because that'll annoy me because I don't like Toronto or getting results in Toronto. Um, that team is just weird to play against, and you catch, you can catch that team. We, New England seems to catch them on bad days all the time, and we just pound them into the ground, um, and they're taking Seba off at halftime. And I'm like, what happened to the Toronto? I always see that just pace teams. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I think we're seeing right now a good a good Revs team trending upward. Um, the only real formation thing that we don't know right now is where is Javon Watson playing. Um, and Javon Watson also can't stop scoring. He's got he's on a two game streak um, in Open Cup and MLS play. So um, if you're looking for kind of that other, huh, I wonder who's going to kill us today type person, Javon Watson right now is should be at the top of that list of. I can't believe we let that guy score because quite frankly, I don't know how he's doing it. But we put him, we plugged him into the midfield for Gershon Kofi, who just came back uh, from an injury and is now available off the bench. But I don't think he's going 90 minutes. So I would expect to see Watson probably in the midfield. Uh, as more of the enforcer role next to Scotty Caldwell, who's doing more of the passing role um, behind Lee Wynn. And, uh, yeah, aside from that, it's going to be mostly, you know, the same formation. You know, you're going to have, you know, Fagundes and Teal Bunbury out wide, Kamara up front, same back four, Tierney, Gonsalves, Woodbury, and Farrell. Um, probably Shuttleworth and Net, but if it's Shuttleworth and, and Brad Knighton right now have been going a little bit back and forth. Um, but it'll probably be uh, probably be Shuttleworth because he won the last game. I'd like to predict a 2-1 victory, but we know how this is going to end. We know how this is going to end. It's in Orlando. Orlando's going to score a trash goal late for some reason. Um, or New England's going to score a trash goal late for some reason because, obviously, this is the eternal 2-2 derby. This is just – the game will always end 2-2 um, as long as um, Kaká and Laren are playing because we don't want to mention that other game that doesn't make this the 2-2 eternal derby. On a set piece, probably because both of oh, these of teams are are absolute pants at oh, defending. Set We're getting, New England has gotten a little bit better at this now that Woodbury's more of a center back, but he's not an ideal, you know, aerial target man. He's just a bigger bigger guy than Andrew Farrell is. Um, now that Farrell's now playing right back, but yeah, crossing has been a problem, and that's why, like I said, if if you're gonna if you're gonna give you know, Lee Wynn and Kaka, a lot of space, that probably means you're going to end up with space out wide as you try and cover them. So it's a double-edged sword. If you cover one thing, another one, another thing is going to be open. There's a lot of ways these two teams can score. And again, it's the mirror match. They're going to be doing the same thing to each other. I think this is why we keep seeing two, two draws. And I think it sucks, but if we see another one tomorrow or on, I should say on uh, Sunday, I don't think either of us are going to be surprised. I think the revolution might be a little more disappointed, but I don't think we'd necessarily be surprised. This is after all the Eastern conference and the Eastern conference is probably not good at soccer. Well, let me <laughs> throw another log on the fire for you. The last two Orlando city coaches to make their MLS debut for Orlando city have drawn. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> shocked. I say, um, this also, yeah, this so also implies Adrian, had, uh, had three MLS coaches already. Well, this this will be number three. But Adrian uh, Heath uh, drew one one against New York City FC in the in the franchise opener. Right. Uh, first uh, first MLS game. Uh, interim coach Bobby Murphy oh, drew talking, zero. Oh, we're talking about interim yeah. guy. Oh, oh yeah, he he drew okay. zero zero for uh, against Houston, and now uh, because of that trend, this will be a negative one to negative one draw. Huh. <laughs> 
I, you know what? So just to let you know. You know what? The negative one part doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> it really doesn't. Um, and I just, I, I was just clicking. I'm like, how, how did Orlando beat Toronto like a month and a half ago? We how still don't know. Uh, a penalty. A late penalty. That's how. Oh, I'm shocked. Really late penalties in Orlando game? No. Hundredth minute, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it was it was uh, crazy late, and uh, they they had a center back uh, decide to, for some stupid reason, pull Julio Baptista down in the box after they'd already he'd already headed the ball away. So, huh. um, yeah, it was it was uh, one of those things where they complained about it, but if you look at it, you go, like, yeah, that's yeah, fine. No, I'm pretty sure that that sounds like a penalty. Sound, even yeah. I know it's MLS, that still sounds like a penalty. So I don't know. Like I said, I think it's an interesting. It's always an interesting matchup. Um, these games are always, wouldn't necessarily say fun. Fun isn't the right word. Um, entertaining isn't the right word. Interesting is is perhaps maybe the best word. Um, but Orlando, what is it? Uh, winless in four. Yeah. And, oh man. Yeah. Or something like that. All of Bobby New Murphy's. England, oh no, five. Oh, five. Yeah. five. Okay, winless, and then five, New England, yeah. unbeaten in three, but coming off of a three-game losing streak. Yeah, I don't. We're clutching at straws here. We're both kind of underachieving lower half table ish um this game this game just has two two draw written all over we know this we've seen how this story ends guys <laughs> so make sure you tune in and watch it yeah oh, exactly yeah. Uh, what else exactly. am i gonna do on a sunday <laughs> exactly. um, are all, all right are, uh, are all the games on sunday or is it because of the all-star game there are a lot of, yeah there are a lot of games on sunday okay. because the all-star games on thursday so um there, there will be quite a few and i I haven't looked to see if this game is the national game. I don't think it is. Don't think, no, if it was national, I would be upset. I don't think it's national. I want to say it's a regular game. I want to. I have a feeling there's a silly national. Like a lot of the national games now are earlier. Yeah, a lot of them are. They're putting it, them on. A... They're putting them on not not um, FS1, but actual like Fox Fox. Yeah, yeah. and they're starting well, way early. So. Yeah, like the New York Derby last uh, last week. That was actually uh, fun. I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. Well, Jay Catanis, we are very happy to have had you on uh, from the Bent Musket uh, editor and columnist. It was really great to talk to you as always, and uh, we hope to be talking to you soon. No problem. Thanks, guys. Well, that'll just about do it for episode 59 of the Mainland Podcast. We want to thank our guest, Jake Catanis, from the bent musket and uh, it was good having him on he's always uh, fun to talk to andrew and uh before we get out of here of course though i have to get your key matchup and your score prediction it's a tough one um the reason i'm going to say it's a tough one i think is we don't know how people come through the all-star game um obviously there's also the homegrown game for some people that are not necessarily in the edge but with a roster like ours you never know who's going to get the start um I'm going to say that Kaká does end up starting for us. I think that if he plays the All-Star game and then doesn't play for us, um, the fans burn down Orlando City. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to say the matchup is defense. Um, once again, we're not really too sure who New England's going to line up, but I think it's just Kaká getting back into that role um, and taking the game to the defense and the defensive midfielders to be able to split up some space for Laren, um to really start getting some shots. Um, Molino is also obviously going to be a really huge asset on that back line and starting to break them up. And um, they aren't really conceding goals right now, as Jake said. So I think that's really going to be my key matchup. With that said, I am 
even though we've been saying 2-2, I think we are going to end one all. And I think Molino grabs our goal. Hmm, okay. Uh, I would go with the key matchup of Orlando City's center backs against Kai Kamara. I think that Orlando City has not been good uh, on set pieces of late. And I think that he is uh, Kamara is very good in the air. And so I think it's really going to come down to the center backs uh, on set pieces, keeping Kamara quiet and keeping the ball off his head. So um, that's my key matchup. And I'm going to say that um, Jason Christ falls a little short in his debut. I think that there's just too much influx right now. And I think it's going to be a 2-1 New England win. I hate to say that, but, um, you know, with Christ coming in and we don't know where he's going to play guys or even really who he's going to play. Uh, I think there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. I think the guys will play hard. I think they'll get scoring chances. And I think Kyle Laren puts it in because I think he's on a roll right now. Agreed. So there you have it. That's, uh, that's going to do it just about for episode 59 of the mainland podcast. We, we certainly hope that everything goes well with the friendly and everybody comes out of that unscathed. And uh, we're going to see a little bit of uh, Jason Christ over the, the next week and, and see what his uh, influence over the team is and, and see him tinker with the lineup he's got and, and see what he does with that. It should be interesting. And OCB will be at Louisville City, as we mentioned. Um, the Pride is at Boston, I believe, this weekend. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I believe they're at the Boston Breakers, which is – uh, not a good team, so it's a good team to be playing on the road at this point. At this point in the season, without all the internationals, it's uh, it's probably the best time to play them. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll we'll see how everybody does this week. We'll see how Tyler Turner does in the homegrown game, and uh, all of that jazz. And we'll talk about it next week. We'll be back with episode 60, so that'll be fun. Um, please, by all means, visit us at themainland.com. Please like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Twitter at themainland. And uh, buy one of our spiffy T-shirts, Roar Lando T-shirts. I think those are pretty cool. Uh, Anyway, uh, for Andrew Harrison, I'm Michael Citro signing off for episode 59 saying, Go City!